Wanna know where is my tool bucket? Who took it from me? Broke into my house that night and stole from me. Using a blowtorch is quite insanity. Then got a rock and threw it through the window, the back door window. Snuck into the house that foolish bucket full. Took it to the pawn shop to get money. Need your hands here now. Hey, dude, man. Coolest thing around. Got my show now. You're my hands right now. This is Adam Sheffield. Welcome to American Heritage Center Radio. Welcome to the Adam Sheffield Show that started out as the Property Therapy Show but it has blossomed into so much more about preserving who we are as a people and preserving our future. We have, oftentimes we'll have, we'll talk about news events, things in the present and history alive. We'll bring characters from the past or people making history and then talk about our future in faith. And we just got done with a uh, faith orientation conference, a faith diversity restoration conference at the Heritage Center. And one of the speakers was uh, Mr. Glazer, and uh, his son is with us. He's our special guest today, and this is a man who uh, he's in a, a licensed attorney in Missouri, and uh, he's been making history. And these are the t- kinds of people that we want to have on the show: people that are making history, especially that have a spiritual component that is able to tap into the uh, sustainable, spiritually sustainable in uh, life in, in, in our culture. His name is Paul Glazer. Welcome to the show. Thanks. And uh, Paul Glazer, you worked as, uh, graduated from law school in 2007, you said? Yeah, 2007. And working, you've done a lot of general, a lot of different cases, basically as general, general cases and practi- practitioner. And um, yep. but he, what is striking about Paul is how you partnered as a solo practitioner. You weren't really solo, were you? Right. Yeah. Actually, when I was in law school, this idea came to me that the reason I was in law school was because I was directed to go there by God. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ever planning on being a lawyer. I was planning on being an engineer. But I had this idea that I should go to law school, and it, it wouldn't go away. You know, the, that thought that you can't shake, and you just you just kind of sit with it. And so I went to law school, and I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing here? And I enjoyed law school, but it wasn't until I realized that the Lord wanted me to learn how to operate with Him mm-hmm. that I realized why I was there, is that I really wanted to include God in everything that I did. And I wanted to share that with others. There were a lot of people who they would go to lawyers and they didn't often get what they really needed. Mm-hmm. You know, they would just, you know, go go talk to a lawyer and the lawyer often is very flippant. They um, charge them a lot of money and they don't really help the, the core of what the person really needs. Yeah, there's so much toxicity in the in the profession. Right. And um, let's talk about though something you've just brought about the Lord talking to you. I remember when I was in law school. There's I had a conversation with one of the people there, and they're like, "Well, if God's talking to you, you need your head examined. You need to go a psych psychologist." And I was like, "Do you even know who have received?" 
inspiration and, and uh, consultations from God, who that put, puts people in the rank with, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, our founders, Martin Luther King, the people that would consult and talk, have like Abraham Lincoln famously said, he said, I, I, I would consult with all my advisors, and when I still didn't know what to do, then I would consult my creator. You see? And um, so the, the, the difference, like the being able to discern what is like the promptings versus like the static or the uh, temporal nonsense that my brother, he has schizophrenia and he describes, he says it's temporal nonsense. It's like the haywire or the, the, the people that have mental illness can have and um, to be able to discern, you see, mm-hmm. and how it bears forth fruits of wisdom in your life. Yeah. You know. So, you know, that's that's kind of an interesting journey. Um, what what I would say is one of the benefits that that I've had recently is growing an understanding about how the brain works, and that's been really helpful. For instance, I I recently learned that we have part of our brain called the cingulate cortex that is actually designed to um, attune to other beings and that we can actually reach a mutual mind state. So that's why, you know, you can be connected with another person and you're so in tune that you're like finishing each other's sentences. You're, you're on the same wavelength. You know, we might say that. Mm. Uh, well, that's the same part of the brain that I believe God uses to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is, is that we can reach a mutual mind state with God. Mm-hmm. And, and it normally begins when we're in gratitude, when we're in appreciation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're the only beings in the whole universe who don't always know that God is good and that God exists and that God is for us, that God made us, all those things. We're the only ones who aren't always thinking about that. I, I believe that all of creation knows that truth. Um, you know, I think that's why Jesus was talking about even the rocks will cry out, you know, who I am, because everything knows mm-hmm. who I am. And, and so one of the things that we can do through gratitude and appreciation is we can come into alignment with the entire universe. You know, when we say, Thank you, God, for this life. Thank you for who I am. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this drink I'm drinking. Thank you for this food I'm eating. You know, thank you for the weather. It, whatever it is, there's an acknowledgement that God is good. He's sovereign and He's good. Mm-hmm. And when you come into that place, it opens up this part of your brain to receive from God in a mutual mind state where his thoughts start to come into our thoughts. You know, if God dwells inside of us, then his thoughts are joining our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is, is that we don't necessarily hear an audible voice. Like, I'm not having these conversations where all of a sudden, you know, the big voice from heaven comes out and speaks to me. You know, but, you know, like set some of the stories in the Old Testament, you know, like, Samuel hears the voice calling and, and he thinks it's Eli. You know, like, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is this, this mutual mind state where all of a sudden I'm having thoughts that I wouldn't normally have. Right. You know, they're in my mind. I'm like, wow, intrinsic. what is this? They're extrinsic. This? 
that comes in. I- exactly. You know, and, and some of the times there are things that I don't want to do. Like I, I still remember when, you know, there have been times where it's like all of a sudden I have a thought that I should contact a person that I offended and I should apologize. And I don't want to do it. Like it scares me to death, right? Like I don't want to go talk to them. But this thought's there and it's pervasive. Right. It's like it won't go away. I'm like, well, that's got to be from God because God really cares about reconciliation. Right. Like a- anytime you have a thought about humbling yourself or. Yeah, repent- if it's service related, God will c- come in and weigh, weigh in. And oftentimes, the, the versus the pride versus the service, that's a different coin. And often people that have mental illness, they don't even admit it. They're, pro- they're ve- very prideful. Some of them are very brilliant. But pri- very prideful, and they don't even want to admit that they're they're poor in spirit. They're not <laughs> poor in spirit, and right. so while God says, "I resist at the proud, but giveth grace to the humble," so He's going to back off if you got it. You know, if you're you got it, you think you're the the, the you know the in charge. He'll back off, and then all the attacks can come upon you and create all yeah. the temporal nonsense upon yeah. you. You know, yeah, definitely. I I really think that it's because it's the spirit of Jesus. You know, He says He says, "I came not to do, here to do my own." will but the will of him who sent me he says i do nothing but what i hear right yeah exactly i i think it's a lot easier to hear from god about other people than it is about our own so our own lives and i think one of the reasons is because when we're hearing for someone else um we're usually doing it out of a heart of love mm-hmm. you know that's our motivation right we we just want to we want to help someone right but when we're asking about our own lives we have so many other factors in right. there. we have a lot of fears we have things that we you know like things we want god to say right you know like we ask him a question but really like we're not being neutral about it we it's want really him important. to say certain yeah. things this is groundbreaking stuff guys guys and gals listeners to the show this is a discernment this is how that God exists and how be able to discern and counsel with him and the service aspect of how you approach him if it's for a service purpose. He's more re- re- likely to give you an extrinsic answer. Oh yeah, completely. When I first when I first got into hearing from God like um, regularly, it it really it really came because I wanted to help people. And so what was happening is, you know, people would come uh, for advice, and I didn't even know what to say to them. I just knew that, I just knew they needed help, and I knew that God had the answer, mm-hmm. and that I was willing to, you know, to to bless them, to be kind of a conduit of God's love. And so I just, I just had this idea: God, will you please share thoughts in my mind that will help this person? Right. And I'll, I'll share it, even if, even if I don't really have a clue what I'm talking about. And I found that the stuff that came out of my mouth was stuff I had never thought before, but it was awesome. It was wise, and they and they were impacted. It's like the 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 presentation I was giving at this faith orientation seminar in Cameron, and you can go and look on on the uh, Restoration Summit site and see my presentation on the video. But I I didn't know what I was going to say. But just, I just pray, dear God, help me to know what to say. And I would, I'd be talking, and then I would hear, I would feel the the source come in. Next topic. It was like eight times in a row. I'd be talking, talking, talking. Next point. And it became a rhapsody when I was ta- when I was speaking because I I asked the Lord 
to be able to guide my words and be able to say. And so he was just continually putting in what the agenda, what the next things to talk about. And I talked about the history alive. We did a, a skit. We opened up because we do it's a heritage center. But we did a skit with Joseph Smith the third. I was played Joseph Smith the third, and a, a narrator as well with a woman who played uh, Miss Torres, who played the roles of the women that he interviewed, and then how he came, after interviewing them that he he came to the conclusion that Joseph Smith had had some. Uh, there, there was some ceremony that had occurred with these women, but there wasn't a physical marriage involvement. And so it was a history alive. And this is one of the issues that has caused so much diverse, diversity, denominational diversity in this, in the, uh, here in the land of, in the heart of America. And so, but this, I, I can attest to that. The Lord putting you in the very, in the very hour, in the very moment, which you shall say and do. Because you think about it, because if you had God on tap, for like whenever you wanted him and if you were consulting him on polluted ends da, 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 <laughs> you destroy yourself you think about like like uh, in the back to the future when the guy gets his um he goes back in the future and he gets that almanac for the sports yep. almanac. <laughs> and what he does you know if you have that kind of access to the infinite mind yeah. you know for the dirty humanity <laughs> We pretty much foul, foul, foul ourselves up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so that that's why there's a huge distinction between hearing for someone else predicated on a motive of love mm-hmm. and service versus hearing for ourselves. And it doesn't mean that we can't hear God for ourselves. I mean, we can, and, and God loves to speak to us. It's just that what I've found is that Oftentimes, we have to learn to hear. We have to learn to listen to what he's saying because we're not actually wanting to be impartial, to really receive what he wants to give us. Like most of us, I believe, filter out what God's saying to us because that's stuff that we don't actually want to hear. You know, I still remember when I wanted to ask him questions about like, well, God, what should I do in my life? And I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't hearing from God. He wasn't telling me anything. I thought God was silent. And then, and then finally, as I was pouring my heart out to him, I had this thought, well, what if he doesn't want to tell me what I should do with my life? What if he wants to respond to me in a different way? And as soon as I had that idea, all of a sudden what I heard from God is, a question, well, what do you want to do with your life? And all of a sudden, it changed the whole nature of my dialogue with God, where it was now a discussion, Yes. where he's asking me questions, it's a dialogue. right? And before, I was actually closed to that. And so, I thought he was silent. And so, one of the things that I learned since then is that God is always speaking. It's just that when we find he's silent, sometimes it's because we aren't truly open to hearing what he wants to say. Yeah. And this this is so ap- apropos for the attorney profession. I remember um, on uh, LinkedIn, some of the top attorneys in, that I'm friends with on LinkedIn, they're talking about mental illness that are like suicide addiction. It's It's – High numbers in the legal profession, the the alcoholism, yeah. uh, substance abuse, mental issue problems, and these these are people that are functioning at high high levels in their in their profession, very successful attorneys. Yeah, but that's not sustainable. No, 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 it's definitely not sustainable. 
You know, one of the things that um, I believe God created us for is to live a life in both communion with God, but also communion with the people in our life in a very healthy, sustainable way. And mm -hmm. so sustainability to me is one in which we're not, we're not stretched beyond our capacity. Mm -hmm. so, so to me, capacity is, is more than just comfort. So capacity involves comfort, but it also has a little bit of kind of that, I don't know if you know the term liminal space, which is the stretching you beyond your comfort zone to help you grow into this new, um, this new ability, like this new capacity. So, so I believe our actual capacity level is including our comfort level, like what we are comfortable with, plus this liminal space that we are capable of dealing with. Uh -huh. you, you know, for instance, if you're a, a sports player, you know, the, your capacity deals with what you can do now and what you can do if you push yourself a little harder. But uh -huh. it does not involve what, what you can't do. Like even if you push yourself as hard as possible, like there's no way that you could do that. That's not within your capacity. That would drain you. I remember uh, with that concept of a uh, term of liminal space, I remember reading <clears throat> in a biology class that um, people that are marathon runners or experience very stressed um, circumstances in their life, their spit can start to, to taste bitter. Like if they're starving in a desert or something, then they keep on moving. Da, 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 da. And what that is, is I guess their liminal energy that wasn't there. What happens is that your body has energy reserves that is not regularly used, that's yeah. locked up. And what happens is when you push it to the liminal space, it car it starts unlocking energy reserves that were that, that's not there. But the chemical process to unlock the reserves it creates a bitterness in your spit. Have you ever had yeah. that? Yeah. Like when I was run I've run five k's, my spit turns bitter <laughs> towards the end. So this is we're talking with Paul Glazer. This is the Adam Sheffield Show for those just tuning in. Paul Glazer is an attorney, and we're talking about the uh, sustainability, spiritual st sustainability as an attorney in your life. Yeah, and, uh, and it's just so apropos in uh, attorney professions and um, God, God, and we're talking about. So th these are issues of of uh, birth, like issues of people are like skeptical about. Well, God talks to you all, oh, really. And so I always, I always respond, don't say it. It's, it's like the, the, the sun. I say, I say this to them, that, is that don't say the sun's not bouncing off the glass of your car just because you can't see it where you're standing. Stand where I am. Stand where I am, and you'll see the sun bouncing off the glass of the car. Yeah. Because just because you can't see it where you're standing. So consult God. Start standing where we're standing, you know, about service, yeah. whether you're using it to help others, where you're using this superpower knowledge or this infinite wisdom, consulting to God with unlocking to you. If you're, if you're seeking it in the, for the right ends, he'll, you'll, you'll increase your likelihood of getting direction in your life. Yeah, you know, I, I believe that that a relationship with God is is actually very similar to the scientific tests uh, that are done on light. If you look at light, you know, when there are tests where we where we presume that light behaves as a particle, 
then the results say that it does. When we presume that light behaves as a wave, then the results are that it does. And if you believe that God doesn't speak to you, then your results would say that he doesn't speak to you. If you believe that, that God does speak to you, then you'll find that God speaks to you. And so you might say, well, then, then are you just creating the reality? Well, even if you are, what kind of life would you rather live? Do you want to live a life where there's a loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God who's there to help you, or one, or a life where that isn't the case? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember when I was in, when I was in high school, I, I took all the hard classes because I wanted to. You know, I thought, hey, I can do it because my, my dad taught me that I can do anything with God. So I'm like, sure, I'll take all the hard classes. But you may, you may call me a little bit of a slacker. Like, I didn't want to do all the work. I just wanted to take the hard classes and do well. But I didn't want to do all the work to do well in my own strength. So I said, hey, God, will you help me out? And so I found that time after time after time, God would, would just help me to know things that I shouldn't have known otherwise. For instance, I, I had this history class where there were about four history tests every semester, and they were all essays, and the, you know, there were four potential topics, and then the, the teacher would then pick two on the day of randomly. And so you had to study for three out of the four to make sure that you always had one. Well, I never studied more than one topic, ever. And I had it for four semesters, so 16 tests. So I went in every time I said, God, help me to study one of the ones that's going to be chosen. Every time. So can you guess, at a 16 test, how many times I studied one that was actually picked on the day of, of the test out of those 16 times? You tell me. Yep. Can you guess? 16? That's right. 16 out of 16 times. Every single time... I took the test. I walked in. The very one, the one out of the four that I studied was always chosen. Do you know why God did that with you? Well, because he wanted to meet me. He loves me. Yeah, he loves you, but he knew that he would also, that giving you that info, et cetera, that special insights would not pull you away from him. Oh, no, it brought me closer to yeah. God. No, because if people could consult that, then they, they okay, well, I'm going to consult them where the Chiefs are going to win or not, and I'm going to bet 500 bucks, and I'm going to win, my, triple my earnings. No, no. No, because you chose and God knew, knew that you it would bring you closer to him and empower your mission for the future. Yeah. Because yeah, he won't I agree. answer you if it's going to destroy you. Yeah. No, I, he I agree. He won't give you inside information if you're going to, if you're not, if you don't have uh, the right trajectory in the in your future. And he knows. So this is, don't say, so this, I'm just talking to the skeptics. And I remember they hammered this into me in law school. Is don't assume that they're going to be on board. They're going to be skeptical with these issues, et cetera. So we're dealing with issues of the credibility that God can talk with people. Yeah. You see? So this is issues of birth right yeah. now. And so these, so we've talked about the, uh, if it's service, like the content opens up the, 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 the God, if it's, it's regarding service, the purity of the inquiry, the direction the person's headed in life. So these are increases the likelihood. And then we've talked about the, the fact that other people don't have the success or that God's laissez-faire, which he is. He's laissez-faire. For, and for the most of humanity, this is not even real. Yeah. It's laissez-faire because God will not get involved unless we seek him. 
Yeah. He's, that's how he set up this world. Is he's it's a laissez-faire, and he will be involved if we seek, if we ask for it, and then we ask for it in the channels in the proper way. Yeah. Okay. So so these are issues of credibility, issues of uh, of uh, personal testimony. And um, and that you can also, if you similarly walk in the same direction in the same shoes, you can also repeat this. So this, like you were saying, it's right. a scientific. You can you repeat this. Yeah. Repeat this in your own life. You can get healing in your own life with so much so much of the the problems that's in the in the bar and the bar members, etc. Yeah. So. I mean, for for me, when I first wanted to hear from God more, so like more in depth, um, you know, one of the uh, people in my life that I really trusted, my father, he says to me that it would probably be helpful if I um, if I cleaned up some of my relational difficulties in my life. And so I, I sat down one day with a piece of paper and I said, okay, God, who are all the people that I need to reconcile with? And I started making That's a awesome. list, started making a list, and all of a sudden the list started getting pretty long. And so I said, okay, God, that's enough for now. <laughs> and, and then I started contacting the people, and I started apologizing, and I started owning it. And, and, and what the Lord was directing me to do was not, not to excuse them, not to excuse myself. It was, it was really to just to restore the relationship. And so what I did is I contacted people, and I would say, hey, you know what? That situation that we had however many years ago, I just want to apologize for that. I, I know that I was being selfish or I was being prideful or I was being whatever, and, and I didn't really see you. I didn't really care about you in that moment, and so I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And one of the things that I noticed is people were shocked, completely shocked that I was even contacting them. I mean, some of these people are like, nobody does this. Who contacts you randomly 10 years later? and apologizes for some conversation that we had that, yeah, in the moment I felt crummy about, but hopefully I forget about it most of the time. You know, but one thing that I learned is that all those little things that we have, all those interactions that we don't think about most of the time, but every so often when we, when we run across a situation that reminds us of that, we get this icky feeling. We get this like, yeah. I don't know, this thing weighing on our soul. And I realized that those things actually block our ability to hear God. They interfere. You're talking about kind of the static on the line with schizophrenia or mental disorders. I believe that any of those unresolved issues that we have with people can actually be like static. And uh -huh. as soon as I cleaned up all these relational issues, all of a sudden, my thoughts were super clear with the Lord. Mm. Like I'd ask him questions. I, I remember my wife and I were hosting a a youth lock-in, and she asked me, how many, how many pizzas do you think we should buy? And I'm like, I don't know, but God knows, you know? And so I said, okay, God, how many pizzas should we buy? And the, immediately the number comes in, seven. And so I tell her, oh, we're supposed to buy seven pizzas. That's how many we need. And she said, okay, great. She went out and she bought seven pizzas. On our way to the lock-in, she's like, I don't know if seven's going to be enough you think it'd be okay if we bought eight? I said, sure, God doesn't care. He was just helping us out. So we go and we buy an eighth pizza. At the end of the night, we had one pizza and three pieces remaining. <laughs> 
we needed exactly seven pizzas. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a silly, no, simple example. But what no, I'm no. saying is these are the kinds of questions we can start with. I, in fact, I would right. encourage anybody, start asking questions like that with God. Don't start with, let's see, God, should I get um, surgery? <laughs> you know, things like that. And you have to have, but you have to, though, have the spirit of poor in spirit. If you come in through like a cynical, mocking spirit, you're not going to hear. He, he's not your errand boy. He, right. You have to have a solicitous and sincere in mm-hmm. heart and so that, that you were cleaned up the, the mess that you had made in the past. And so this, this adds credibility to your prayers and your, the dialogue because God says, yeah, this is a man that I can work with. That, that, that's, that puts you out of the rank of the, of the general populace. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Nobody does that to make a list of all the people, all the relationships that soured in some ways. Yeah. Who does that? Not nobody, very many. Nobody I met. That is so awesome. And that's the same kind of example I had at the at – the, uh, Faith Diversity Conference here at the Heritage Center. I was praying. I was making a hot dog sticks for uh, and uh, for grilling hot dogs and marshmallows, which we also ended up using for grilling um, um, donuts <laughs> with with marshmallows inside of the donuts, donut s'mores. <laughs> and uh, we we dedicate the donut s'mores to Kathy, who had the the idea to put the donut inside and uh, or put the 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 marshmallow inside so we'll call we'll call those the cat kathy s'mores mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway so i but i was praying i was like i was i was manufacturing these hot dog sticks and i said and i asked god well how many should i make and he i heard him he, he says make 12 for the tribes of israel and then i counted out i had already had 12 that was it i didn't have to make any more he said 12 tri- 12 for the 12 tribes of israel mm-hmm. and i said one two three four twelve 12. There you go. <laughs> so this is FTS. Follow the spirit. Sustainable life. Yeah. And this is this is leads to the property therapy. The element is that the as being able to steward things and it stewards you back. And uh, and so so this is okay. So this is oftentimes for those that are following the show that have listened to the show in the past. Uh, we run things through the circle of life here at the Heritage Center, birth, life, death, state, the parties. And so we've, we've been talking about uh, birth issues, about how, living a sustainable life, spiritual sustainable life. And for me, music is a huge part of that under the, the, uh, when it's undergoing. But we've been talking about birth issues, of issues of credibility that God can talk and that he's even there, yeah. which some are skeptical of that reality because they haven't experienced it or he, the, the God hasn't responded when they, when they seek God's response. Or, or God's in the way God, they want. In the way that they want. And I remember, I remember <laughs> this is kind of funny story, the... Oh, my dad met a man on the streets. He and he said, uh, "God's not real." What is all these power quotes from a God? Da da da. God's not even real. And my dad said, "Well, how do you know?" He said, "Well, I asked God." He said, "If I should marry this woman or not?" I said, "God, if that bird moves to the left, I will marry her. If it moves to the right, then I won't." And the bird didn't do either. It just went straight. <laughs> and he said, "God's not real." No, no, no. You don't. You have to. You have to have the spirit. The the spirit of poor in heart. Blessed are the poor in heart. Well, that's that's you know? flat out manipulation, though. Right. That that's and a that's lot tempting of tempting the Lord God. Well, you're right. I think a lot of people try to manipulate God. I mean, they, think about it. How would you feel if someone treated you that way? Right. Where it's like, hey, Adam, I'm wondering. 
um, should I do this or this? I'm going to actually, you know, follow what a bird does to determine what you want. And you're like, well, don't you want to just hear from me? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you trying to manipulate me based on what this bird's doing? And maybe you don't even want to tell me who who I should marry. Exactly. Maybe maybe you this just is, want to say something else. This is this is what what God uh, the difference between counseling with God versus tempting God. Yeah. Which is the difference when when God remember when Jesus was on the pinnacle of the temple and the the devil said throw yourself off because it says in the it says in the scriptures that the angels will lift thee up lest thy dash thy foot upon the ground. And then what did, what did Jesus say? Thou shalt not tempt shall the Lord not your God. tempt the Lord thy God. Like force him to respond in the way, the manner that you seek him to respond. Uh-uh. That's tempting the Lord God. So if, you want, if you're seeking to know the will of God, have it be for a, a pure purpose. Try to clean up the reception in the past, any kind of wreckages in the past. Clean that up. This will help fine tune your reception. You know, mm-hmm. on the radio, it'll help clear away some of the static. Oh, yeah. This is really good. Well, then also be this relational. Yes. Be relational about it. Right. You know, it's like p- picture a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, how would you treat a good friend? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really need your help because da da da. Yeah, it's like, You're no. Like, you only talk to me when you need something. Right, right. I mean, you what know? if you hang out with with a friend often, and then when you need something, it's just a natural part of your relationship to help, right? Because you're hanging out together all the time anyway. So imagine a relationship where you hang out with God all, all the mm-hmm. time. You know, then when you need something, well, first of all, he already knows you need it. But, but secondly, it feels like it's a natural flow right. just, just for it to work out. But the other thing is this, you know, like as I've been thinking a lot about like how does God want to treat me, one of the thoughts he's given me is he says to me, Look at your children, and how do you feel about your children? And how do you treat your children? He said, you're nowhere near as, a, you know, as much of a loving father as I am, but that's a good starting place about how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And that's been helpful. That, that, okay, so this, this is humanizing God. They're, they're, they've, humanity and society dehumanizes God. Right. But that is Jesus, not a relationship. Jesus is point, I believe, was actually to show the human side of God. And in fact, the reason Jesus is so impactful, even to people who don't believe that he was God, but that he was just a really good man, it's because he was the most loving human being ever. It's the human side of who God is. Plus, Jesus can say, I've been cold before. I've been tired. I... I've felt all the emotions you've felt. I've gone through everything you've gone through. I've been persecuted. I, you know, I know you. Mm-hmm. You know, the Father may not be able to say that, but Jesus can say that. And that's so important. We have a God who has experienced what we experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is great. So this is uh, seeking Him, like seeking Him. Uh, not just when in cases of emergencies, yeah. you know, but if you have that relationship built up, mm-hmm. you know, when you're telling them good morning, you know, had a good sleep. Thanks, Father, for that. And if you're just con- talking to him, you know, it's kind of like in the movie uh, Fiddler on the Roof, you know, Tevya. Mm-hmm. He's talking with God the whole time. You know, says, God, if I were a rich man. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in that case, it wasn't for service necessarily. Right. But anyway, but this is really good. And, um, 
let's do this. Let's let's pause for a musical break. break. And it, it will oftentimes we'll, I'll, I'll blend in the music to the show. Um, that's part of the show is the the violin logo. And uh, but this 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 is the we're talking about God. Here's God the Father from the music from the movie God the Father. And and it opens up. Do you remember how that movie opens? And uh, well, often times we'll pull out these parables from movies or or how things. Why these movies resonate or have some like uh, with people's souls or how, like blockbuster hits? It's because there's timeless themes or humanity or things that touch people that make them have a lasting impact. And remember when that the movie opens and, and he's a brutal man. He's a brutal man. He's the Godfather. He's a brutal man, but he still has a humanity side. And, and the 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 movie. You remember how the movie opens? He says, "This guy's coming. His he's coming him for help because his his daughter's been violated, just horridly violated, and the justice system didn't give him apple justice to preserve the virtue of his daughter." And the Godfather, he says, "You could just come for me because you want these guys whacked. Where have you been the whole time?" In our, because you're afraid of being in my debt. He said, but if you had been my friend, they would fear you. You see? He says, so you seek my friend right now, but you, you didn't care a thing about me at all. So, but now you seek my help. So that's kind of what God's, God's response. I mean, he's the Godfather. Let's play some Godfather. Let's play the, here's the theme song for the Godfather. We did, we did this in the episode with the, um, uh, uh, we did this on the episode with uh, Nick Marshall.
Speak Softly Love, Love Theme from Godfather. Okay, so that was uh, from our episode for, with Nick Marshall. When we recorded that, we were had a jam session. I was on the violin and playing on the piano, and Nick was there on the guitar. And uh, then later, his dad came on the show and, and uh, played the conga drums. <laughs> we put, we, we, you can listen to that episode on Spotify, those um, the conga gym. Well, that was the episode, conga gym. And, um, and so we're back here with, uh, with Paul Glazer. We've talked about issues of birth. So that's the issues of, of uh, credibility, issues of creating the receptivity, uh, issues, you know, of what you're going to do with the council, you know, if you'd use it to enhance the sustainability of your life. If, you, if you, you're right on all those fronts, he will talk to you. God will. Yeah. He will. And so, okay, so these, these are issues of, the, of, of, of birth that, that gave uh, uh, birth to your, your practice as an attorney. Okay, so now last, we've talked about issues of birth. Now let's move to issues of life and death, but let's move to so life. So FTS, we call about that. FTS rings we have in this in, in the, uh, at the American Heritage Center for follow the spirit. Okay, so let's talk about that. The life, under the life, what's occurred, how FTS has impacted, and you've got so many rich stories. Yeah. So, so first of all, I think it's really important to remember that when we... When we work with God, that God wants it to be a sustainable relationship. Now, what that means is that he doesn't want to replace relationship with recipe. So it's a relationship, not a recipe. So he doesn't tell us, here, do all these things, and then you never have to talk to me again. Right, you never right. have to include me right. again. And I think a yeah, lot of us... That's what we want, right? We go to God and we go, God, just give me the recipe, and then I'll follow the recipe, and I'll be good. And what I discovered, and what I have discovered on my journey, is that God does not like that. He yeah. wants to be a part of our lives the right. whole time. So part of the life process is developing relational uh, interactions with God. So, uh -huh. so for instance, when I, you know, when I would take a client. One of the first things that I would do is I would ask God, God, do I have a relationship with this person? And if not, then where do I send them? And then the next question is, well, if I'm to have a relationship with them, then what's my scope of work with them? And then the third thing is, what, if anything, do I charge them? And, and you know, there came a time when I drafted up a whole fee schedule with God's help where we talked through it all. And I came up with a typical fee schedule. And, and so I would then ask him the question, you know, when, it, when I got to the third question about what, if anything, do I charge, I would ask him, do I follow the fee schedule or not that, that we drafted or not? And one of the things that I think is really important is that we can create these efficient processes. We, we can do that. Because business is all about creating efficient processes. And so we need to create these. But just remember that we need to leave God kind of a, like a trump card. We need to include him enough for him to say, no, this time we're not doing that. Also, if God, if you check in with him and you say, hey, God, do I follow my normal process that you gave me before? And he says, yes. Do you know how much credibility and support you have now from God? Oh, yeah. Like, he'll fight your battle for you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you never ask him, 
you're doing it alone, essentially. And so there were times when I would say, okay, God, do I work with this person? And the answer was yes. Okay, what do I do? I get my scope of work. What, what do I charge them? Charge them this much. And I'd, I'd, I'd send them a bill, and, and I'd work through it. I'd send them a bill, and then, and then they'd say, well, I'm not going to pay you. I'm like, okay, now what, God? And it might be, well, talk with them about it, you know, you know, dialogue with them, maybe send them a letter or whatever. And, and so I would do that, and the response was, well, I just don't have any money, so I can't do that. And, and so their response, if I had done it on my own, I'd have to, I'd be caught in this situation like, do I sue them now? Um, what do I do? Because I'm not getting paid. But because I checked in with God, oftentimes what he'd say to me is, eh, don't worry about it, I'll cover it. And the freedom that I had when God would say that to me, it's like, oh, he's got this. You know, it's like this idea where it's like, yeah, I want you to give him mercy, but I'm going to pay his bill. Now, the God of the universe is, is basically fronting the money to me. He's promising. Hmm. Like, if that's the case, I know I'll be fine. Because other people, they're going to fail, but God's never going to fail me. And so, I don't know why people wouldn't include God in this process. Because when you have the promise of the Lord behind everything that you do, you can't lose. About that trump card, it, it reminds me of the scripture when Jesus when Jesus said, "Let uh, he says, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless thy will be done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see? So that's that's often what I, I mean, I'll, I'll do in my prayer, so I, let me have this, Father, if it will allow me to build my build your kingdom yeah 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 to to me it's like saying this hey god i know you already know my preferences but these are my preferences i just want you to know here are my stated preferences uh but what do you think like just kind of a dialogue like that and And you put in the dialogue you put in the dialogue you say because the world is set up the the guidelines are set up that you're not going to get involved unless we ask for your help right so i'm going to ask my i'm going to ask for your help god you see, yeah. yeah. I said I put this in the prayer. So okay, so you had, to, you, but you talked about. I mean, you we sh- you shared so many rich experiences. We had lunch yesterday about God being involved, like fighting your battles, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So l- l- I remember. Yeah, let's talk talk about some of these experiences sure. of. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, what, one of the things that that's really important to know is that I didn't have a bunch of awesome legal training when I'm doing this. I started a law firm from scratch in my basement right out of law school, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that God wanted me to, and he told me that he was going to be the senior partner. That's what he said. So I'm like, okay, God, then you're going to teach me. And so, so you know, I, I have time after time after time where I – had to do some legal work, and I didn't know how to do it, it whether it's write a contract or whatever. I mean, I, I remember I had this situation where I had to write a nonprofit trust. It was actually a 501c3 trust, and it's, a, you know, typically you call them family foundations. And those, those trust agreements are not public record, and so you can't get a hold of them unless you know somebody who's already written one or somebody who has one. And so I'm like, God, I'm supposed to set this up for somebody, and I don't know how to do it. And so he directed me to call someone hmm. who had one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I called this woman, and she, she shared with me her trust agreement. And she said, normally I wouldn't do this, but you can borrow it. 
And so I borrowed it, and it was such a blessing to me. And I started working on it, and, and these are long, long things. I mean, it took me two months to, to finish this thing because it was like one of my first things that I ever did. It took me about two months to do it. After about a month, I had this thought from the Lord where it's, okay, finish up. You need to give that back to her. You need to give it back to her. You need to give it back to her. And it kept, it, it kept coming to me, but I kept putting it off. And so I didn't give it to her mm-hmm. for a while. And then another two weeks go by. Now it's been a month and a half. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call on a Saturday night. I'm there watching a movie with my wife and kids. And she calls me irate. She's like, do you know what it means to overstay your welcome? I'm like, uh, yeah, um, I should have returned this sooner. And she had told me, keep it as long as you want. I don't need it. And so I'm like, what's the deal? I could keep it as long as I want. But the Lord had told me, give it back to her. So she's like, you better come over to my house now and drop that off. And she was irate. Mm-hmm. And, and so I left. I left my house. I drove over to her house. I dropped it off. And the whole way, I'm like, God, I'm in trouble here because, you know, she might badmouth me to a bunch of people. I'm just getting started. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like this could ruin a lot of my business. Yeah. You know, if she starts badmouthing me. And the Lord said, I want you to send her a thank you card and accept 100% responsibility. And I'm like, God, are you kidding me? Maybe I was 5% at fault, but she told me flat out that I could keep it as long as I wanted. Mm-hmm. What is the deal? And he says to me, but I told you to give it back and you didn't. <laughs> and he said, he said, look, wow. when, you are, when you are even 1% at fault, you're 100% at fault. Wow. And so what I did was I wrote a thank you card. I, I typed it and I prayed about it. I'm like, God, does this sound good? And he's like, yes. And then I hand wrote it in a thank you note and I mailed it to her. Three weeks later, I get a phone call from her and she says, thank you for being a man of God. And now she tells me the rest of the story. She says, that night, my husband had come home from a trip and found out that I had let you borrow that, and he was angry with me. And I was, I was scared. I felt stressed, and so I took it out on you. Thank you for not turning around and blaming me. Thank you for accepting the responsibility. I trust you. You are such a man of God, and you showed me the love of God in that moment. Uh-huh. And we got really close there. And... Anyway, that that was just like shocking to me. Uh, it's beautiful. Anyway, so that's one of my stories. Yeah, God, God, uh, he, he can when he. Well, that's oftentimes when you know that you just heard God's counsel is like it resonates to your core of your bones. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and I didn't want to write her a thank you card. I was arguing with him about it. Like it's often and oftentimes you it'd be like you don't even know. It, it, the reception, you know that it's from an extrinsic, extrinsic source and it's for sor- service-oriented reasons. So you know that it's from, it's not something that you would want to do. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? That was not my own mind just coming up with this. That was straight from God. I've had the same the same kind of situation with the when I was putting these lights up at the American Heritage Center, these theater lights. And uh, we're, for those that are tuning in, we're... We're recording from the American Heritage Center, and um, we have theater lights. We're in the lecture part of the American Heritage Center. There's the lecture in the laboratory, and we're in the talking. We're the word place, and then the word made flesh is on through the wall. But the when I was putting the, the theater lights up, 
I was rejoicing because we had to have these lights for 10 years. We were going to make a theater in Branson, but never was able to put the lights up. And so I would have the lights for 10 years, and I was <laughs> rejoicing. I was able to put them up on the hooks for the first time in 10 years. And I was like, dear God, thank you, thank you. I was kneeling and uplifting my, my fists in the air. Dear God, thank you so much. And he talked to me in Spanish. Of all things, he says, diga me. Huh? I, I didn't even know what Spanish was. I don't, or I didn't even know. I didn't speak Spanish at the time. He said, diga me. And so he talked to me, and I talked to my dad. I said, what does that mean? He says, that means tell me in Spanish. Diga me. And I knew that it's like God was saying, tell me. I was praise me. I praise that I want to hear this. Tell it to me. Tell it to me. Dig it me. And, and so not only did I get that, the fact that it was a threefold power that came from that, from that um, talking to me, is that not only was it in a language that, that also got the importance of, of uh, Spanish to reaching out to the Latino people with our American heritage, to reach out to them. To help them because they're becoming so numerous, help them tap into what made them want to come here. What is it? That, what it is? What is it that made this place a incredible place that everybody wants to come here? Whatever that is, help us preserve what that is. And property therapy is a huge part of that. The stewardship element and the the, the stability of the laws that protects the property therapist. Otherwise, you just take off. You don't want to be in there. You see, and the freedom and the faith. The, the, those, that's huge. So not only did I get the, the importance of putting those lights up for the American Heritage Center's mission for the Latino people, and we're going to do a, a all-Hispanic version of the show, all in, and we'll run it throughout the, all the Latin radio stations. So we need lots of help from Spanish people to make this happen. And, uh, and so not only did I get that importance and, uh, uh, of reaching out to the Latino people with our American heritage and the property therapy message, how it's empowering. It's not the government giving you, like, pushing all this cash. No, it's the stewardship of the people that, that, that's the importance of the property therapy, which exemplifies that because it helps you, gives you therapy to become the person that you should be if you have that responsibility. And so, he, and so, so, so not only the reaching out to the Hispanic people that I got from that, I also got the fact that um, people, it was a further witness to me that, that God will dialogue with you. Because people say, I've had someone say, well, how do you know that wasn't just you thinking about it? That just didn't pop up in your head. Well, number one, it was in a language that I didn't even speak. Number two, it was contextually appropriate to what I was praying about. And I got powerful meaning and direction in my life. And it helped enhance my future and the, like, the projection of where the Heritage Center is going. You see? It's so yeah. powerful. So I know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you that the FTS this is real, as real as it gets. And we need to have you on the show and talk more about these experiences that has happened because they're so rich. Sure. You're writing a book. Maybe we'll, have, we'll do round two next week. We'll talk about this, uh, the, what's happened on the live. So let's recap, and we'll have to recap because that's the top they teach us in the law school is, is opening argument, and then recap, always recap, closing arguments in the end. That's right. So we've re let's recap. We talked about issues of birth, of issues of credibility, issues that God can talk, issues why or, or the receptivity, issues that en enhances the likelihood that you'll receive responses. And uh, so these are issues of birth. And then 
the life, then we've we just got briefly discussed that of what happened when you have God as your partner, your senior partner. You shared an experience about mm-hmm. with that woman where God told you how to, you know, first get that uh, information and then then how to proceed afterwards and you didn't follow but then you got then god helped you recover that and it brought you closer together yeah and that's so rich and we and i know this there's so rich there's so many history alive and this we're talking here with paul glazer he's a man that's making history and uh with fts and his law practice which is you don't hear people talk like this and the attorneys they're very no. worldly and uh many oftentimes flippant and toxic being around them and uh, but you don't hear you don't hear this this kind of spirit. But this is going to revolutionize the legal industry yeah. if they get a hold of FTS. What that means for sure, it will. So this is the Adam Sheffield show, and uh, thanks for being on the show. We'll have you on the show, and uh, we'll get my uh, my radiotherapy court gavel, which is I, I glued and zip tied it to the the logo outside on the. <laughs> On the window, so I usually have a gavel. I need to get some more gavels for this show because I zip tied it to a logo. I, cr- I created the violin gavel logo on a uh, mat board in the, in the window in front of the American Heritage Center. So I'm gonna have to improvise and use my fist for the radiotherapy. My radiotherapy court. Here we go. Radiotherapy court adjourned. <laughs>